You can clap if you want to. I heard somebody start to, so it's all right. You know, I was um, in a much better frame of mind earlier today um, because I was thinking, somebody asked me, how is this Sunday compared to last? I said, well, you know, we're doing a series. We're in the third week of a series called You're Dead, Now What? And uh, last week on Father's Day, I got to talk about hell. And uh, if you were here, uh, I thought it worked pretty well. Uh, but anyway, uh, today I get to talk about heaven, so I was really, you know, kind of excited about that, because it's much easier to talk about heaven than it is hell. Um, but then uh, uh, something happened. Um, how many of you are familiar with HGTV? Uh, and you, and you, you, know, you know what HGTV Dream Home is? Okay. Any of you sign up for it like I have for 47? You don't? Why not? What's your problem? Uh, uh, they have a thing. Anyway, HGTV online actually gives away every year... Um, for nothing, just other than the fact they, they give all these sponsors do it. They give away three of, about two or three different homes a year, and they're all worth like one and a half to two million dollars. Uh, they're ridiculous houses, but they're always in extremely cool places. I mean, like the, the, HG, the last HG Dream Home earlier this year that was given away uh, was on Kiowa Island, and uh, I think it's in South Carolina. And then, then um, uh, the one that they're giving away right now, this is what was bumming me out today, uh, the one they're giving away right now is called the HGTV Smart Home, okay? And the Smart Home is actually a home. It's in Jacksonville, Florida on the beach. And uh, it's actually this really nice uh, high smart home that's actually everything is, you know, it's really cool. And, and the cool thing about the Smart Home is that when you look at it, they have a show about it. And online you can sign up for it twice a day, and, which I have every time. And, uh, you know, and the cool thing about it is, is, is if you win it, you get this house and you get like a car and you get like $500,000 so you can pay the taxes. And uh, at least for the first year, and uh, and then uh, and then that's the deal. But the th- cool thing about it, every time I noticed it, the reason it's so fascinating, they always have them in really really places that aren't like where you live. You know, it's warm, it's sunny, it's on a beach or in a, or in a mountain. One of the two is always something like that. It's always in these really 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 nice places. It's just totally different. And that's one of the appeals to all these things that they do. Well, the Bible talks about heaven this way. It's totally different than anything um, that we have here. It's completely different than where we live in many ways. The Bible talks about heaven as a place where there's no stress, there's no pressure, uh, there's no worries, there's no crying, there's no sadness, uh, there's no mourning, no pain. Matter of fact, in Revelation 21, it talks about heaven as, uh, it says this, it says that, uh, uh, heaven has set your mind on things that are above, uh, and you know this that your and, and know this that your earthly troubles, whatever they are, aren't worth comparing to the glory that one day will be yours in heaven. Uh, that's what Paul said about it as well. But th- it said life is short; uh, it's just a moment. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. It's just a mist and, while we're here. But the thing is, while we're here, we're focused so much on here that we sometimes often think about what would it be like somewhere else. So when we talk about heaven. One of the things that's important today, and we're going to try to, talk, try to give you a, a picture of it in some way, uh, it's not only important to talk about what it looks like, but it's also important about who will be there, right? I don't know about you guys, but you know, I, you're always out somewhere at the mall or somewhere or some, you know, someplace and they're giving away some kind of trip somewhere. If you always notice, they usually give away it for two people because they usually think that it's good. You know, it'd be kind of a bummer of a trip, I think, if they gave you a trip to Tahiti and it's only for one person. 
You know, like some of you are going like, yeah, it'd be a great trip. But no, 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 no. For me, it'd be a bummer because truthfully, and this is not because my wife's in the room, but uh, it'd be a bummer for me if it's to go and to think about going by myself. You know, it's, it's about the relationship. And, and when I, one of the things I enjoy about uh, family is just the, the relationships are there. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk about heaven and kind of paint a little bit of a picture. It's just going to be so inadequate because we can't possibly understand everything about it. But I want to paint a little bit of a picture about it. What are the things the Bible talks about it? Uh, and and uh, once again, it's not all black and white. Some of it's gray. But, um, but not only about what's it look like, but who will be there. And so I want to talk about it in the sense of one of the things that I think all of us enjoy doing. I want to talk about it like it's a meal. How many of you enjoy sitting around a table with friends at a meal? Anybody here like that? I figured you would. Yeah. When we go to Virginia for vacation to visit our family, um, all of our family lives, uh, except for our two kids, live on the East Coast. And when we go there, one of the things we do, we spend lots of time around the table uh, eating and eating and eating and talking. And talk. That's all we do is eat and talk the whole time I'm there, basically. And it's just an enjoyable time. So one of the things that I see in Scripture, it says in, in Revelation 19, it, sp it speaks about the wedding uh, supper of the Lamb. And so obviously there's going to be, uh, you know, some kind of a meal thing going on there. And so... I want to get my reservations in, okay? Because I'm going to be there for a long time, and so if at least for the first thousand years, you know, I want to get my reservations in about who's going to be sitting at my table. And so today I want to paint a picture of that, and I, I, what I want you to do is to kind of go along with this as well and think about who would you like to be and who would you like to sit with at the table and talk with in heaven. So take out your outline, your bulletin outline, and it has a little, um, you, you notice there's hardly anything on there today. It's just a sermon title, and that's about it. And so what I want, I left you lots of space. So those of you who have great artistic talent, what I want you to do is I want you to write, draw a table. Now it could be just the top of the table. It could be a rectangle. It could be a circle. I mean, y'all can do that, right? You know, whatever. And, and this is going to be a table. And as I talk about the different people that would be sitting at the table that I'm going to be sitting at and talk about heaven in this sense and talk about some things about it, I want you to, as I kind of prompt you, you may write down some names of people that you would like to be sitting at that table in heaven as well with you and hopefully today as we look at it this way using this as an analogy um, will help us to understand some um, some things about heaven um, there now the first thing if you're going to have a meal is what you have to decide what kind of food you're going to have and I've already decided my first meal in heaven is going to be pizza uh, now you don't understand this for most of you pizza is an everyday occurrence but I discovered a year and a half ago that, that I was gluten intolerant that means I cannot have wheat, okay? And pizza crust is normally made out of what? Wheat, okay? And so anytime, now I have had a couple of attempts at places, they call them gluten-free crust. Um, I hate to tell you this, it's nowhere near as good as regular stuff because gluten-free crust tends to be kind of dense. And so the pizza, so in heaven, at our, at our big first meal, which may last for a long time, I'm going to have some really good pizza, and that's going to be, it's going to be fat-free, it's going to, have to be piled with stuff. It's not going to be the stuff, I know some of you are like the big place in Chicago, Chicago deep dish. I don't like, I like thin crust and, uh, you know, crunchy pizza and stuff like that. And so it's going to be that way. But it's going to be fat-free and gluten-free. And it's going to taste good uh, when I get there. So that's the first thing you've got to decide. But the second thing and more important thing about what you determine when you're going to have a meal is who's going to be sharing the meal with you. Now, at my table, this, this table is way too small for all the people I want to have, but this is just an illustration, Okay. And so as we look at the table, I want to realize this is just Ill illustrative of the big table I'm going to have with all the people. Because, of course, at my table is going to be my wife and my kids and my grandkids and all that. 
But beyond that, one of the chairs I want to reserve is for somebody that's, uh, somebody I want to get to know a lot better. And that's my grandpa Reynolds, uh, Grandpa Reynolds. Uh, his first name was Arnold, Arnold Reynolds. And Arnold, uh, the reason I want him at the table is because um, I didn't really get to know him that well. Uh, he died when I was seven years old. He died in 1961. And uh, he died of a heart attack when he was only 51 years old. And uh, that's discovered, and one of the reasons, too, I want to get to know him better. I knew all my other grandparents lived into their late 80s, and so I got to know all of them well. But my grandpa Reynolds, he died really early on. And, and one of the reasons is also many people told me years ago that, that, that I was most like him, that I was most like him, that, that he and I, that, you know, we looked alike, we kind of like acted alike. They said I had a great when I was younger, and I don't remember this, that, that I would sit in his lap every time I went there, I'd talk to him, we'd have these conversations. Um, they said I did some things I shouldn't have done. I, one time he did something and I bit him on the ear and, you know, stuff like that. I don't know why I did that. But uh, I discovered that, you know, those are the kind of things. And so my great, and they, and they said that he was a, a, a godly man who loved God greatly, but also was a hardworking guy. They said, when you go to Hillsville, Virginia, I mean, of all places, isn't that a cool name? Hillsville, Virginia, which is out in the middle of nowhere. And you go into town there, there's this humongous, and it's still there, there's this humongous um, a forest of gigantic pine trees. Gigan I mean, they're huge pine trees. And I've, I was told many, many years ago that my grandfather, Reynolds, that he planted every one of those pine trees, uh, his little tiny pine trees, back when he was living. And every one of them, now they're still there. He was a hardworking guy who did lots of work and did stuff all the time. And, and so I'd like to get to know him better. And, and I believe in heaven um, that I will. And so I wanted to reserve a place for him. While Grandpa Reynolds was a hardworking man, one of the things that heaven said, the Bible says about heaven is heaven will be a place of, of rest. It'll be a place of rest. There's one of the ways heaven is described in Revelation 14 as a place of rest. So in heaven, there won't be any more bills. There won't be any more uh, stresses, no more pressures. Uh, in heaven, we'll work from our rest. But also, or we'll rest from our work. Um, but the thing is, there's, there's a tension as well, though, because in Revelation 22, 3, it talks about heaven as a place of meaningful service. That it says that the lamb will be, the, uh, will be in the city and his servants will serve him. So we'll have this, we'll be a place of rest and meaningful service all at the same time. And so, you know, it won't be like, oh, I hate doing this job, you know, or, you know, get up and you just, just hate it. You know, some days, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know anybody that I've ever met who's totally 100% of the time loves their job. I mean, even the person who likes their job the most, it's just most of the time, okay? And so the thing is, is that uh, it'll be a place of meaningful service as well, and we'll have meaningful tasks in heaven. Now, uh, a few questions that come up with my grandpa at this table about heaven is this. This is one of the questions that often comes up. Will we have memories of our relationships here on earth? Uh, when we get to heaven, will we have memories of our relationships here on earth? Now, some people say no because of one passage of scripture in isaiah, isaiah 65 17 it says this behold i will create a new heaven and a new earth the former things will not be remembered nor will they come to mind uh, so some people say that verse alone it says that you won't remember the stuff that you had before it'll be kind of like it's kind of like uh any of you how many of you seen the movie men in black in black, anybody? Okay, the majority of you, so you know what I'm talking about. It's like, they think when you get to heaven, it'll be like, the, you know, when they have the memory swipe, you know, and they have a, and they blank everybody's memory out. If you haven't been in the Men in Black movie, you need to go see it. It's a great movie. 
One of my all-time, no, it's not one of my all-time favorites. But the thing is, is that, you know, basically your memory will be wiped out and you'll remember nothing about the past. That's, that happens. Well, I don't believe that the, that the Scripture says that because you have to look at the verse, that, that verse in, this verse in um, Isaiah in context because in Isaiah 65, 16, which is right before 65, 17, it says this, for the past troubles will be forgotten and hidden from my eyes. See, I think in that context, and look at the whole context of the passage there, I believe in heaven God will do for our memories what he did, does for our bodies, which is redeem them. And, and he will, he will, we won't have a memory of sin and pain and sadness because there will be none of that in heaven. But we will have memories because in Revelation 20, uh, 21 uh, uh, says that we will. And, and so, uh, but uh, the, the troubled things won't be there. God will redeem those things. I think that's what Isaiah is talking about. And, and along with that, uh, another question that comes along that's similar to this question I ask, have, will we have memories of our relationships? Another one is, will we retain our earthly identity? Will we retain our earthly identity in heaven? In other words, will I know my grandpa as my grandpa when I see him? Will I recognize people in heaven um, uh, that meant so much to me here on earth uh some people as i shared with you last week and the week before some people kind of say well you know in heaven you're just a disembodied spirit that floats around and so you really don't have any uh you know recognition but i don't believe that's what scripture teaches as a whole uh instead i think it, we, it may it teaches that we maintain our identities in some way uh now and the disciples for instance the disciples they recognize jesus after his resurrection right they recognized Jesus. He came back. He, was, he, was, he died. He, was, he had a new uh, heavenly body. He came back. And they recognized who, they, who he was. But there is one passage in Scripture where it seems like maybe it could be taken that maybe we won't recognize him because after Jesus um, was resurrected, he appears on the road to Emmaus, and the two guys on the road to Emmaus uh, don't recognize him. But you have to, once again, you have to take the passage of Scripture in context because this is what it says in Luke 24. It says, as they talked to him, these two guys walking down the road and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. It seems here that they were supernaturally, there was some kind of supernatural intervention at that point in that time where they didn't recognize who Jesus was, but later on they, they realized who he was. Uh, so I believe in heaven, looking at the scripture as a whole, I believe in heaven will still be individuals, will still have a personal identity, and I believe I'll know my grandpa as my grandpa when I get to heaven. Um, and so that's one seat. Another seat I'd like to sit, have somebody sitting at is, is a seat I'd like to reserve. Have you ever thought about it'd be cool to really sit down with one of the Bible characters and talk with them? Uh, now, my number one on my list is Peter, okay? Peter. Now, why Peter? Because Peter was not perfect, okay? He was, he was close to Jesus. He was a guy who uh, had a... Uh, he was a leader. He was a leader. I love talking to leaders. And he was a leader. But the problem with Peter was is that sometimes he said dumb things. And so I want to ask him some questions. Why did you say that, Peter? You know? And I don't know if he'll give me a great answer or not. But the thing is is that he would be one of my Bible heroes. I thought about Vicky and I maybe can go on a double date with Adam and Eve. I thought that would be cool. You know? Talk about him. You ask, you know, what do you do on double dates? You ask, well, you know, uh, um, you know how did you guys meet? You know, we always ask that question. I know how they met. It says it in Scripture. Or, you know, I, I want to ask Adam, Adam, you know, I, I don't know, how, what kind of pickup lines did you use with Eve? Because the standard ones don't work with Adam, you know? You know, like, you were made for me, you know? 
Yeah, that's kind of the deal. Or, or you know, are the one, you're the most beautiful woman in all the world. Which was true, but also she was the most ugly woman in the whole world because it was nobody else. So the issue is, is that, you know, it'd be cool to sit down and talk with those kind of people along the way. Now, who would you put in that seat? I mean, who would you, you've always thought as you've read scripture, if you've looked at it, who would you like to sit down at your table and just talk to them, get to know them better? There's, there's all, so many characters in scripture. And it may not be a Bible character. It may be somebody in history that you, uh, C.S. Lewis. I thought, man, it'd be so cool to talk to C.S. Lewis, the guy who's written so many incredible books, Chronicles of Narnia. I want to ask him about the screw tape letters. Uh, the screw tape letters is a really cool book about his view of, of, of devils, uh, of a devil uh, apprenticing another, another devil. And I thought that was one of the most creative books of all times. And, and so I thought about that'd be cool to talk to him as well. So the thing is, is that who would you choose? Uh, I believe in heaven we'll have this relationship. We'll be able to, ha- we'll have eternity to talk to somebody and get to know people in a, an incredible way. But it brings up another question as well, because I've never met any of those people. I've never met C.S. Lewis or Peter or uh, personally or, or any of those people. So the question is, how will we know who people are in heaven? How will we know who people are in heaven? Now, I was thinking about this because, you know, it's a struggle to remember everybody's name, right? It's not a struggle for you? I, I, yeah, I mean, at Great Oaks, on a given Sunday, we have six to 700, on a, except in the summer, we have six to 700 people that show up here, okay? And I usually exit greet, and I see lots of faces, but I can't always put people's fa- names and faces together. For instance, it's always embarrassing for me, you know, everybody, oh, Pastor Bill, uh, good to see you. You know, I, I, was at, I was at Best Buy yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And um, I, I ran into a couple from the church. They were in the first service. And um, I've talked to them tons of times. But never, I've never had any direct interaction as far as doing weddings or things like that, you know, with them or anything. And so they've only been here a few months. And so I was going, ah, it's great to see you guys. And I was sitting there. My whole time I was going, what's their name? What's their name? And, and so they told me. And they told me again this morning, their name's Stephen Melanie, by the way. I figured it out, you know, finally after they told me six times. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's, it's, it's really a struggle sometimes. And so how will I know who people are in heaven? Well, I just, you know, well, it was interesting that when G- we read in Scripture about Jesus being on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples who were with Jesus, they knew who he was, but he was with, they see two other characters show up. And who are those two other characters that says in Scripture? All you Bible scholars. Moses and Elijah. Okay, Moses and Elijah was there. Now, when did Moses and Elijah live in, in regards to the time of Jesus? They were contemporaries. They'd lived hundreds and hundreds of years before, okay? So how all of a sudden these disciples standing there recognize these two guys and go, oh, that's Moses and that's Elijah. Did they have name tags on? You know, what was the deal? Well, it seems like it was some kind of supernatural way that God here, what he was doing, it was some kind of revelation that, uh, where they were known. So I, I'm looking at that, you know, uh, in a real sense, and I think that in heaven, the supernaturally will will be known and will know people as well. It's a place of perfect community, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you know, honestly, one of the things I'm looking forward to is I won't have to uh, quickly recall people's names. I'll know them. You know, just that's your name. That's the way. Okay, and, and, and so it'll be great. And and the cool thing about heaven too, I think, is there'll be perfect friendships. Perfect friendships in heaven. I think the Bible describes that in a sense. There's no, because there's none of the things that cause disharmony in a relationship in heaven. There's no jealousy, there's no competition, there's no cliques, there's no feeling left out. None of those things will be in heaven. To be honest, 
I have to tell you this, and I think you're, if you're honest, you would say the same things. For me, on this earth, there's only a handful, a very small handful of people that I can totally be honest with. That, that I can just be me with. You know, and it's sad, but it's just the way it is. There's probably a small group of people, very small group of people that you can just be you with. You can say anything to, and they'll just forgive you for it. Just be yourself with. But the cool thing in heaven, I think, is going to be every relationship will be that way where you can be yourself with each other because you won't worry about any of those things. It'll reduce the stress level from the relationships in our head. And so, you know, I know for many people in this world, this world is a lonely place. It's a lonely place where you've always wanted deeper friendships, but for some reason they just haven't happened. But I believe in heaven, every friendship will, all, will be exactly like we've always dreamed our friendships to be, those relationships to be. You know, I found it interesting that um, the Apostle Paul, who he was to, he's another one of my top guys I want to talk to, but the Apostle Paul, in, uh, he built a strong relationship with this, group, this one church group called the Thessalon- Thessalonians. And the Thessalonians he must have built a really strong relationship with. And when he left from Thessalonica and he went to plant another church in another location, he shared with them how much he was going to miss them. But he also, later on, he writes a letter back to them. And we see this in 1 Thessalonians. And this is what he says. He says, for for the Lord himself, he talks to him. He said, this is, hey guys, let let me remind you of something. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We will be with the Lord forever. Therefore encourage one another with these words. And he goes on to talk about how much he misses them, but how much he looks forward to seeing them again. And he was not talking about here on this earth. He was talking about in heaven, that he would once again have a relationship with these folks that he had a close relationship to upon the earth. So I believe that uh, in heaven we'll have relationships, we'll be known, we'll, 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 uh, we'll have our identity as well. Now one of the things you probably did not see down here, and I, I, I almost didn't bring this, but I did anyway, is uh, you probably didn't see this. You know what this is? This is a dog bowl, okay? I have a very small dog, by the way, okay? This is not a cat bowl, okay? This is a dog bowl, Okay. Because one of the questions that's often asked uh, ask by, by kids especially is this, will there be animals in heaven? The answer is, will, are they the last, will there be animals? They ask, will my animal, will my pet be in heaven? I don't know. Once again, it's I don't know. But there seems to be in Scripture that, that there are described animals in heaven. For instance, in... in um, in uh, Revelation 6 and in Revelation 19, it talks about horses in heaven. And in, in, in Isaiah um, chapter 11, it talks about how all these different animals that usually are in opposition to one another, kind of like adversaries, will, will, will lay side by side. They will be in harmony with one another. So I'm guessing there's going to be animals in heaven. Or you could use the theology that uh, Uncle Cy on Duck Dynasty uses. Uh, I don't know if you watched that. That's a, I shared that a few weeks ago. Doug Dynasty, Uncle Cy, I mean, God has such deep theology. And uh, other, other, I was watching this one show that we taped some shows, and occasionally I'll watch them just for comic relief. And, um, and Uncle, Cy, Uncle Cy was on there, and somebody asked him about, you know, well, you know, uh, is your hunting dogs going to be in heaven? And he said, oh, sure, they're going to be in heaven. And then somebody else asked him, will there be cats in heaven? 
he pauses for a minute and he said sure there's going to be cats in heaven we got to have something to hunt and <laughs> uncle si said that i didn't okay <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta love uncle si uh, so you know will there be animals in heaven uh, probably because you know the thing about it that most most likely um makes me understand this is to think about the fact that heaven and earth are created by the same god heaven and earth are created by the same god and so often as we see in the world that when something is created by the same person for instance if a great piece of art is painted by one artist Somebody, not me, but somebody who really knows art can tell you if another piece of art was painted by that same person because there's certain brush strokes, there's certain things, there's certain elements that within that artwork that, that kind of like are characteristics. And in a real sense, I think in the same way, if you look at heaven and earth, that you realize that God has created heaven as well, that the same, he created earth as well. And so some of the things that we enjoy here upon this earth will probably be there in heaven as well, but multiplied a million times. And so we see that as well. So um, will animals be in heaven? I don't know. But uh, probably so. You know, I, you know I think it'd be cool to, to swim with dolphins uh, and to uh, be able to uh, ride on a pterodactyl. I thought that would be really cool, you know, if you get to go to heaven and do that. So um, anyway, um, so in heaven, animals. I don't know. Another thing, I thought I just, that was a pressing question so many people had, I knew, so I just answered that. Um, another thing, another chair I want to talk about, though, is this. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that I re regret on this earth is not spending as much time with certain people as, as, as you had opportunity to, you would like to. Uh, I, one of my chairs here is reserved for a guy named Richard Walden. Um, Richard was... Um, lead pastor at North Roanoke Baptist Church uh, when I served there for uh, my first full-time pastor at a seminary. Um, Richard and I had a great relationship. I've never had a relationship with another staff pastor or anybody like, like I had with Richard. Richard and I had a, uh, just an incredible relationship. He was, I only got to know Richard for, um, let's see, about five, six years, five years, I guess, uh, because when he was 42 years old, he was pastor of our church. The church had grown uh, on a Sunday morning, he preached a sermon that afternoon. Uh, and Richard was a thin, uh, active guy. And that afternoon, uh, he had a heart attack, massive heart attack, and died. Left behind a wife and two young kids. And uh, I, I still remember Richard, though. Um, I'd like to spend more time with Richard. Uh, he was such a guy that we had such fun with that sometimes when we would, we would, we would play pranks on each other, and we play so much, our pranks were so bad sometimes that, that we wouldn't know when we're not playing a prank. For instance, one time I came back from a youth ski trip and I had my arm in a cast. And, and he that came in on, this was Saturday night and Sunday morning, coming to the worship service with my arm in a cast. I mean, from here all the way down. And I'd broken my wrist. And, and, and Richard didn't believe I did it. He thought it was a prank. And matter of fact, the next day I was supposed to go have surgery on it and actually go back and have surgery on it. Went to the hospital, and my wife Vicky calls him and said, Richard, we're at the hospital. Uh, Bill's having surgery. And Richard goes, come on, Vicky. The, you know, a, you can only take a prank so far. And that's the kind of relationship we had, you know, that we constantly were doing stuff. So, I mean, I did some stuff to him, too. 
Uh, so the thing was, but you know, I love Richard. He was a godly man who, who was just a great, great friend. And so I look forward to uh, spending time with him. You know, the, the physical part of his life made his life short. But I know that in heaven, I believe I'll be able to sit around a table and talk with Richard for a thousand years. And it'll be just like, just like that, which is a cool thing. Um, and so when you think of the physical challenges we have on this earth, uh, another friend of mine uh, I think about as well, a, a guy who had cerebral palsy and who uh, was in a wheelchair all his life. His name was Tubby Eanes. Uh, Tubby was one of the most generous, one of the most outgoing, friendly guys I have ever met in my whole life. And I look forward to seeing him someday where he's not in a wheelchair anymore. And uh, I believe that's the way it'll be in heaven. I believe that's the way God uh, describes heaven in our um, in, in Scripture. I saved uh, just two chairs left. This chair over here is a high chair. And this is the toughest one to talk about because it has the most emotion. But um, I had to put that here because it's, it's a struggle. You know, I saved that. I, I wanted that when I get there in heaven and having this meal. And now, I don't know if she'll be in a high chair or not, but I reserved that for my niece, Marion. Um, I have three younger sisters, and my middle sister, Diane, and her husband, Dave, their first child, uh, seemed to be born healthy. This was 28 years ago, I believe. And uh, three or four months, I can't remember exactly, after she was born, they discovered, she started having all these problems, and they discovered she had cancer. And uh, they lived in the Boston area, and took her to Boston Children's Hospital, which is one of the top children's hospitals in all the world. So she was getting the very best treatment, but she, she only lasted another four months. And uh, the only time I ever got to, I never got to meet her when she was living. Um, it was long distance. It was 12 hours away, and so I went up and, you know, went there for her funeral. But someday I want to get to know Marion. Um, someday there's another child that, that I'll never forget, um, I got to know him a little bit more. His name was Jonathan Lawson. And it was a family in my church in Virginia for many years. And uh, Jonathan, they discovered when he was a year old, had a brain tumor. And, and he only lived about another year through surgery after surgery after surgery. But uh, he, uh, he died a little bit after that. But I believe in heaven I'll get to know Jonathan as well. Uh, and um, if you don't... Um, if you don't want to know what Scripture has to say about that more in depth, one of the most encouraging and best resources that I've ever found is a book that kind of puts all Scripture together. It's called Safe in the Arms of God, and it's written by John MacArthur. And um, I just want to tell you that, you know, I've, I've given that book out to dozens and dozens of people. Uh, Dan Haney, who is a, a chaplain at OSF that goes to church here, gives that out all the time to, to parents and, and love to talk about. Uh, uh, it really gives a great understanding of uh, what God, how God deals with the whole thing of children and um, safety in heaven. And, 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 and I said, you know, maybe some of you know the heartbreak being a parent who's lost a child. And I can't imagine a grief more overwhelming for some of you than that. But I just want to say to you, I believe with all my heart that you will be reunited someday with them. Now the question is, the question is that comes out of that is this, uh, when children die, what age are they in heaven? How will we know them in heaven? Well, it's just going to be pure speculation because it doesn't say in Scripture, okay? It doesn't say. Uh, it's interesting, though, and a bit humorous to me that in the Middle Ages, uh, the church actually took up an official position on what age you would be in heaven. Everybody, okay? 
Their official position is when you're in heaven, you will be 30 years old. 30. How will you be in heaven? 30. I guess that's optimal. If you're in 30 right now, you're in the optimal age according to the church in the Middle Ages. Okay? If you're older than that, uh, if you're young, I don't know. You know, haven't gotten there yet. But anyway, 30. Now, <laughs> I think that's kind of funny, but anyway, um, but there's a whole lot of different beliefs about that. Other people believe that, that when babies or children die, they will enter heaven at, at the age they're in. They'll grow up in heaven until they reach their optimal point, whatever that may be. Randy Alcorn, in his book on heaven, he says he believes that there will be children in heaven, uh, and he says, and Jesus loved the children, and he speculates that parents, and this is speculation, speculates that parents who have had their heart broken by the death of a child or watched their children grow up in a perfect world. Uh, C.S. Lewis and others seem to advocate uh, a world in heaven where we will all appear ageless because time and aging is not an issue in heaven. And uh, those, are, uh, those are the things that, uh, of, of this world. Uh, my favorite explanation, though, comes from an old pastor. His name was Jonathan Edwards. And Jonathan Edwards, what he had to say about it, and I love what he says, he says, heaven will be full of children even if they all look like adults. I think that's pretty cool. We'll be full of children even if we all look like adults. He says this, he says, what we love about children is their innocence, their joy, their exuberance, their curiosity, their laughter, and we will all be childlike in these ways in heaven. So, how will you be in heaven? I don't know. Aren't I helpful? But anyway, just want to be truthful. Okay. I have one last seat, though, I want to talk about today. Just one last seat at my table that, of all the people that I'd like to be there and spend the first, you know, thousand years talking to or so. And that seat is for you. That seat's for you. Um, the last two weeks, we've talked about hell and we've talked about heaven. And the one thing I want you to understand is while I did not like talking about hell this week, last week, I told you that I feel like that, that someone who's called to speak the truth in love, that I must speak about it in love as well. I must speak the truth about it because I believe it's a reality. But the other issue is, is I would like to see you in heaven because the thing is, it's about a choice we make. God does not force us to go to either place, heaven or hell. And I shared with this last week that God has graciously said, if you would like to live eternity without me, I will graciously let you do that in a place called hell. But if you choose to follow me and to, and to, and to accept my gift for you, my gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, then you can live with me for eternity in heaven. And I talk to people sometimes about this, and I'll say to them, do you think you'll get to go to heaven? And, and, and sometimes people will kind of quaver. They'll say, yeah, I do. I think I'm going to get to go there. And I'll say, why? And they'll say, well, you know, I think I've done enough good stuff, and I hope it balances out the bad. And I know, I go like, well, that's not what the Bible says. Because the Bible says that none of us are good enough. None of us can do enough good stuff to earn our way to heaven. I mean, Scripture says in Romans 3.23, so clearly it says all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory, which means short of God's standard. We cannot possibly measure up to that. I mean, that's the whole point of Jesus. That's why Jesus came and he died, to make a way when there was no way. And some people don't like that. Some of us think, well, there's got, there's got to be many ways to heaven. At least there should be many ways. It's not fair to say there's only one way. But Jesus said, 
Once again, in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And he also says in Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else, in no one else, for there is no other way under heaven given to men by which you can be saved. That's what Jesus said. And, and you know, and you can say, well, you know, I just don't think that's tolerant. There should be more ways, but you know the thing we should be focused on? There is a way. At least there is a way. Because without Jesus, there is not a way. So what do you choose? You know, last week it was a pretty bleak picture of what hell looks like, according to Scripture. This week, I, I hope it's been a very, you know, even though I've kind of just just touched a little bit on what heaven could be like. I hope it's been a much more positive thing about, you know, I'd want to be there other than what we talked about last week. And it's not about, you know, it's just about a choice. And the choice we have to make is that who am I going to follow upon this earth? Because while our life here on this earth, as James says, is just a mist, just a short time, the short time we are here determines, and our decisions here determine our destiny for eternity. So what do you choose? What do you choose? Jesus and his way, God's way, through his son Jesus Christ, are doing things your own way. And living eternity without him. It's your choice. Let's pray.